With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. are about to be spoken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Uh, John Alba is not here today, but you know what? You got somebody better looking, more professional, uh, more charismatic, all that good stuff here. And that's just talking about... Sean, Sean, would you say more? Alba! You know what? I I would say that. I would absolutely say that. Uh, And I would say that I probably uh, will get yelled at for leaving these little little name bubbles down here that I got to fix because because John's going to be like, well, there's your first mistake right there. But we've got Matt Hardy. I was going to throw it to you and say, we're just talking about Matt Hardy there. Like, <laughs> that's even before you get to me, Matt. There you have it. No, man, it's, it's cool to have you on here, man. And uh, very proud of how you're a hot act right now, man. When it comes to I, wrestling journalists, you're a hot act, man. And uh, I'm very happy for you. I, I appreciate that. I always tell people you were one of the first people to treat me like a human being in the business. And uh I never, I never forget the way people are, are treated and how, how you treat others, and, and you do great with that. We're here on ad-free shows, podcast heat for an Ask Matt, but uh, you, were, you were in my neck of the woods last week, Lexington, Kentucky. We were in the same town this past weekend. I don't know if we even saw each other or either of those times. Maybe you ran into each other once or, or something, or maybe it's just me remembering that I saw you in the ring. Oh, that, that might be it. <laughs> I, I guess technically we did we did see one another if, if that's the case. Well, well, there you go. Uh, what was your trip to Lexington like? How was San Antonio for Wrestle uh, WrestleCon? Was it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Lexington uh, going to Lexington was uh, was a connection. Which uh, I, I'm at that point where God, if I have a direct flight, it is the best thing ever. Connections are always so hit or miss nowadays. You never know, especially you know ever since the pandemic the the airplane and the airport system has uh, been drastically affected quite a bit. So uh, connections are always, uh, you never, never know. But anyway, I got there on time. Uh, we had a fun little match. Uh, we went out myself and my tag team partner, Ethan Page. We wrestled Jungle Boy and Hook. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was happy with how everything came out. And then that weekend, I turned right back around after I went home the next day and flew out Friday night to uh, WrestleCon in San Antonio, which was kind of piggybacking off the rumble. But, oh, my God, it was so packed. I was literally scheduled to do a signing from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And I got called by the promoter. He said, hey, can you be down a little early as opposed to 945? Can you come down like 920, 930? And I came down earlier and they started early because it was such a long, huge line outside. And I ended up signing for almost five hours. And it's one of the best signings I've ever had and ever done. And one of the most profitable signings I've ever had, especially on my own. So really, really good. I appreciate all the love I got in San Antonio. And thank you guys for keeping me busy for five hours. You made time fly. 
that's got to feel good after the pandemic too, when nobody knows how people will, will sort of recover. Yeah, how industry. I mean, the cruise line industry is still recovering. Yeah, but the the stand- everything business in general is still recovering in so many ways. It's insane, man. But the standing in line for wrestling autographs business has recovered very well, as, as yeah. we've seen with conventions. Wrestle WrestleCon was great. Uh, WrestleCade is great every year now yeah. as well. Like it's very healthy, and I, I love it that we get to go out and. Uh, run into so many people. I actually ran into Ethan Page last week as I was dropping off the Fightful Awards. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you excited for tonight? And he's like, oh, you know, just childhood dream, teaming with Matt Hardy, no big deal. He was very excited about that. Uh, you, you didn't allow him to be that excited about it, though. Yeah, you know, he, he, he got really excited when I was about to do the Twist of Fate, and he wanted to come in and do the Twist of Fate. You know, he's challenging me on who has the better finish, I think. Uh, but as much as I have disliked him in the past, and you know, I had a little issue with kind of how, and, until we get at this point, but you know, I'm 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 digging Ethan Page now, and I'm all right, and I appreciate his creativity, I appreciate his passion for pro wrestling and whatnot. So, uh, this is going to be a fun little story as it continues to play out. It's something everyone out there is going to want to watch. While we were in San Antonio, former AEW star Cody Rhodes won the Royal Rumble. Uh, I was there up in the press box checking that out. How how did you feel about Cody Rhodes? Uh, winning uh, the Royal Rumble. I, I was I, I was very proud of him. Um, I, obviously, I got to spend a lot of time with Cody whenever we did the pandemic. We were in Jacksonville for 18 months. Uh, we, we got to know everybody pretty well because we were there for extended amounts of time, especially doing dark tapings till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning sometimes. So uh, it was cool, man. I, um, I, I thought Cody killed it when he first came into WWE, and I, I think him leaving AEW and going to WWE, the first major jump from NAW to WWE, deal uh i think it's good for business i think it's good for interest i think it's good for wrestling fans i think it's good for just just the entire biz in general so uh, i was very happy for him to come back and i was happy that he won the royal rumble and and i think he was the the guy that should have won the royal rumble i like that they went that direction and i'm really interested to see what him and roman are going to do at mania really loved the the mini match that he and gunther had at the end of that as well it was reminiscent of of Shawn michaels and undertaker in san antonio 16 years before also, uh, I guess it's the equivalent of a modern day curtain sellout. I was told that when the bloodline angle happened, wrestlers were like huddled around monitors in silence backstage watching to see what would happen. That got a lot of, uh, of praise online. What did you think about? It's not even the culmination of the bloodline angle. There's still plenty more to go. How did right. you feel about the, the Sammy turn? Uh, it, it was a great start of the, the newest chapter. You know, it's been a great story. I, I, I love what they've done. Uh, I, I dig Roman and the Usos and the Bloodline so much, and uh, Samuel was such a good injection into it, and he has just played his part to perfection, you know, and, and he really has become a bigger star as time has gone on doing this, and uh, his reaction to finally flipping the switch and turning on Roman was fantastic. Well, we've heard Matt's subjective opinions. It's now time to hear some facts. The Matt fact for this episode. Matt fact, Matt always checks for his wallet, keys, and phones before leaving. Well, uh, I, I could uh, serve myself well to start doing that. That's for sure. So, 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 Sean, I'm going to even tell you, like, so because I'm doing Matt facts every week now, like mm-hmm. when things happen in real life, I end up jotting things down. So my wife and I, we were out on date night whenever I went back home on, uh, on Monday. And while, while we were out there, 
uh, we're at, we just finished eating at our favorite Japanese restaurant and we're starting to go to the car. I open the door. I'm getting ready to sit down and the lady runs out and like hands me one of my phones. I have two phones. I have one for personal use. I have one for business use. So she runs out, hands me my phone. She said, oh my God, you almost left your phone. I said, oh, no, all right. I said, I was just checking my pocket for like my keys, my phones. And my, I, I always do. And I do it like a psycho every time. Yeah. And I know she's like, oh my God, like, can we just go already? I was like, hold up. I'm, I'm doing my check. So it is something that I definitely do. And, and I am very much a creature of ritual. You end up looking like one of the Armstrongs on like 1992 WCW where they slapped themselves to warm themselves up. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Just, just checking for all your devices. I got to make sure. Well, we've got a lot of great questions for you in this episode of Ask Matt. I'm ready to get right into them. Let's uh, do it. Felipe has one that I'm very interested in because it, it's hard to even fathom. Have you or Jeff ever lost your cool in the ring? Maybe after a bot spot, an opponent not catching you on a dive, or somebody getting stiffed? Uh, th that's that's a great question. Um, I, I really can't think of a time where I have lost my cool in the ring. I am probably one of the more level-headed guys you'll ever meet, especially in this insane industry known as pro wrestling. One thing that really showed Jeff's passion, and, and one of the, the times I've seen him get the most upset in his career – is we were doing the WrestleMania match, the TLC, and he had a spot that he called the Frogger spot. And he'd went over it several times earlier in the day. And it's where there were three ladders set up next to one another. And he's walking across the ladders, and he literally wanted to do like Frogger and like step on one ladder, step on the second ladder, step on the third ladder, and then go for the titles. And he fell down in the midst of doing this. And when he got down, you could see him put the, the ladder up, and he was cursing, and he got hot. And it was one of the first times I'd ever seen Jeff so visibly upset especially in the midst of a match. Uh, that is the most upset I can ever remember him being. And obviously it wasn't anyone else. It was just himself because he, he didn't do this. But what he was trying to do was insane in the first place. So it, it it was really cool to see that he had that passion because usually Jeff is just the coolest cat in the room and, and doesn't sell anything. Even when I've seen you, like with reason to be upset, you've been very level-headed and composed in, in handling things. I think it's uh, that probably goes a, a long way with your reputation backstage and probably a reason why a lot of, a lot of wrestlers – whether they be younger wrestlers or, or, or ones that have been around for a while, look at you as as a leader in that sense because composure is very hard to come by. Yes, and and thank you for that compliment. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's really important, especially in this industry. Even once again, going back to Jeff, uh, I, I just saw a picture a couple of days ago when Jeff was missing a tooth. Well, we had a match with the bar where Seamus just like out of the blue kind of freaked out about something and like kicked him in the face and knocked his tooth out in the midst of a match. And like the tooth was laying beside him and Jeff was like, bro, dude, you can't <laughs> my tooth. And, you know, still like so laid back, you know, where that, that's, that's one thing that obviously would be pretty infuriating if that happens in the midst of a match when it was especially unnecessary. Jared Miller says, is it strange to you that Mattel or Jax never did a Hardy's figure with the tights from the early days? This is mind boggling to me. We've seen like every version of so many different talent. I'm I'm actually kind of surprised to to realize this. Yeah, I, I I would have loved to have had a figure of our tights era, you know, before we actually got the opportunity to really be pushed and kind of get the machine behind us. And I would guess those action figures take such a long time. I remember taking pictures in those tights when we first started doing it, but by the time they were ready to put our action figures of us, we had already kind of changed our look and we were wearing the kickwear pants and the tight shirts on top so th that ultimately ended up being our first figure which was which was cool and i'm okay with i would have loved to have gotten an outfit uh, uh, uh an action figure with the old school outfit on with the headbands and the wristbands and the tights and everything else though 
I mean, technically, since those are just gear and you guys own the names, you all could, like, if, if AEW came along and said, oh, we want to do a classic series, I think realistically you all could do that. I don't think WWE would own the IP for that or anything. With no, that. 100%. Yeah, we, we could definitely do that figure. That's very cool. Jared also asked, was it ever pitched to you to cut your hair? I remember Bruce Pritchard saying uh, Christian was adamantly against cutting his. Yeah, uh, does it have in there the CLP? It, it does have the CLP. It does have it. Uh, I omitted that. That's my bad. <laughs> have you ever heard what the CLP stands for? I mean, I've heard it referenced, but uh, I, I'm here to... here in the loop. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, your hair, were, were the, the locks ever almost gone? Uh, no. Uh, I, 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 there never been a point where anyone had asked me to cut my hair. Um, that several times on my own, I have decided to like either cut my hair shorter or like change the style or whatever it may be. And, and I feel like that's kind of a part of uh, of evolution when it comes to pro wrestling. You have to continue to change the character. It can continue to keep yourself fresh. So uh, I, I've never technically been asked to cut my hair, but uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I would I would be very open to stuff. From a personal experience, do not let Awesome Kong cut it off with a hook knife. Uh, <laughs> Luther held me down while that happened, but... It, oh you know, God. it went it went for it went to a good cause, which I'm so was, sorry. I'm so sorry you were victimized. Sean. I know. I know. Uh, Appalachian Pixie says, with all the last matches that have been happening recently, have you thought about what your ideal last match would look like? Who would it be against and where at? Uh, I've, I've kind of hit on this before. I feel like in theory, if I was going to have like the perfect scenario, less match, uh, the last match would be between myself and my brother versus edge and christian i feel like those are the guys we we put each other on the map especially that first ever tag team ladder match and we'd work with each other for you know over a year strong at that point too so so many times so in, in a perfect world that would be on the bottom map it would be the hardy boys versus edge and christian um if that wasn't a possibility and it was happening here in AEW, i would totally be cool with having our last match be the Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks. Young Bucks, two of my favorite wrestlers in the world and two of my favorite people as well. I always thought it was kind of funny because I found shoot interviews around the time you guys did those ladder matches and you would constantly hear, ah, those guys won't be wrestling in a couple of years with all these injuries. All of you except Devon. The one who took the least number of risks is the one, and that's that's for, like, for personal health reasons. Right. But like five of the six of you are still wrestling. Insane. It's amazing. It's very amazing. Especially looking back and, you know, the fact that like Christian, the, the, the Jay and Adam's career was technically both over at one point and they both retired and they both worked through those injuries and then coming back. Very remarkable stories. Myself and Chef, we're just, we're like pieces of metal, pieces of iron. They just keep putting us out there. We've been doing it 31 years now, <laughs> going on 31 years. So I, I'm interested. I'm interested to learn if Edge didn't have that time off and Christian didn't have that time off. Do you think they would both still be wrestling or do you think they would have packed it up by now? I I almost feel like they would have still been wrestling, e even if they didn't have that time off. I mean, like I, it, pro wrestling in so many ways, like the mafia, once you get in, mm -hmm. it's just very hard to get out, you know, especially if you end up in a, in a pretty good position, you're making good money, you know, you, you're, you're highlighted and just the passion that people have for this. If you're insane enough to go out and beat up your body and slam yourself on wooden steel night after night, after night, after night, after night, then you, you, you pretty much love what you're doing. So I think if you love what you're doing, you, you want to do it as long as you possibly can. Ashley asks, what is your favorite animation or cartoon? Um, 
I would say salad fingers. You familiar with oh. that? You ever seen that? Hello. Yeah. Of course I am. Great. Uh, th there was a, a there was a lot of inspiration taken from salad fingers in the uh, creation of Broken Matt Hardy as well. You know, That's like the, the the word orgasmic was a word that Broken Matt used a lot. Isaiah has used it just recently, and that that actually came from salad fingers. I, the feeling I, of rust against my salad fingers is almost orgasmic. orgasmic. Yes, that that, orgasmic. Was, that that was the part of the inspiration for Broken Matt Hardy. And uh, I was gonna say. I, I almost feel like because it's been part of my daily life now for seven years since I have four kids that are seven, five, three, and one. Uh, you know, Paw Patrol, Peppa Pig, oh, yeah. Blaze and the Monster Machine. That is constantly on my TV at home. So I'm very familiar with those things as well. A personal uh, experience with Salad Fingers. I did some reads for some voiceover stuff that I eventually got. And you know, sometimes they'll throw at you, okay, emulate this, emulate this. Salad Fingers was one of them. And that's oh, yeah. what got me. That's what got me the gig. That's amazing. <laughs> I've seen you, Sean, tailgating my daughter. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, oh. man. I'm, I'm, I I'm, love I'm so it. Glad, I'm so glad you're up on it. I, I love it, man. Love it so much. Uh, uh, American Nightmare season says, "Will Jeff also be in the AEW game?" Uh, that, that's a good question. I am not sure. I I know I'd kind of they. I've been around in AEW longer than Jeff, and. Uh, and I know there's a long turnaround on video games whenever they're, you know, putting stuff together. So I am not sure. I, I'm sure if they could get him in, they would love to do it because having the Hardy Boys in the game would be beneficial for the game, I feel. Um, but I am not positive of that. I, I definitely know that I will be in the game and I will be a character that you can't get to. Uh, I can tell you, uh, based on on the questions that I had asked, a lot of people that, that popped up around February or March of last year were not originally planned to be in the first build of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know Dan Housen had just barely missed the cut, but I, I was told by developers that this is going to be like a one-time game that they're going to continually add to. They'll have DLC. It would oh. be shocking to me if Jeff Hardy is not included, it, which I mean, by now it's been pushed back enough to maybe where they can slide him in there. Right. If not, there's no way that Dan Housen and Jeff Hardy are not going to be involved in this game. I mean, that's right. a license to print money. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Those are two, two people you 100% want to have in this game that, yeah, that is, I mean, that's like kind of the reason you want to have a game when you yeah, want to have exactly. merchandise, you want figures that way it, part of the way, way the companies get their money back yes. uh, off these people. So uh, I, I would imagine that we will see him uh, probably pretty early on. Let's take a quick pause here, Matt Hardy, and thank our friends over at athletic greens for sponsoring the extreme life of Matt Hardy, especially with AG1. AG1 is Matt Hardy's favorite. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients supporting your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. Because it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. And I'm all about that because I've been trying to drop like 15 pounds for this new year, and AG1 is the first step in making that possible. Because tons of people, they take different supplements, different vitamins, fat burners, whatever it may be. It's important to choose one, though with high-quality ingredients that your body's actually going to absorb. And AG1 is a small micro habit with big-time benefits, one thing that you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And it's time to finally reclaim your health 
and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every single day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five Cinco, five Cinco, five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash hardy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash hardy to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here and just want to call a quick time out. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 weeks for quite a while now about all the cool things that are happening over at adfreeshows.com. Looking for classic Royal Rumble content? Adfree Shows has you covered. First up, honorary DX member Kurt Angle watches back his favorite match of all time against Chris Benoit at Royal Rumble 2003. It wasn't real smooth. This was a choppy match. It was like we were working for moves. We were working for holds. It wasn't like it, it was really a clean match, but that's what made it so good. It was ugly and it was choppy and and you know it wasn't like a a smooth move that you do all you know nice and clean all the way through or a smooth spot this match was like gritty and that's what yes. i love most about it it was more of a fight than it was a wrestling match for the first time ever jr watches back the final wwf pay-per-view before he joined the company the 1993 royal rumble which featured many hall of famers and well virgil all right, next up, we got the man, the myth, the legend, JR, one and only Virgil. There he comes. The meat sauce, the lonely uh, autograph table, the whole deal. That's him. Vir- Virgil's not known for many things. One of them, though, is his penis, allegedly. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be this Royal Rumble experience, but I could be wrong. If you're looking for interactive experiences, Ad-Free Shows members joined Hacksaw Jim Duggan live, 35 years to the day of his historic win at the very first Royal Rumble. In wrestling, as going way back as a kid, I live in upstate New York, up by Vermont. My dad would bring me and my sisters to Madison Square Garden to watch uh, the circus. So I can only imagine uh, bring my dad, who was my best man, to pull up in front of Madison Square Garden and see Hacksaw Duggan versus Andre the Giant. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Trenton says, who has better drip when it comes to ring attires, Shawn Michaels or Seth Rollins? <laughs> what a question. Um, uh, Sh- Shawn Michaels is probably my favorite wrestler of all time. 
if I if I had to guess. If I had to select one wrestler, I would I would go with Sean more than anybody else. But uh, I, I dig Seth Rollins. I really like Colby whenever I get to meet him and, and work with him a little bit when we did our three-year run to WWE or when I did my three-year run to, with WWE in 2017. And uh, he, he especially won me over just because of his, his comments on Punk the other day. I popped huge whenever I saw that. I was laughing out loud. So very was- funny stuff. Oh, buddy, I was standing about four feet away watching oh, yeah? it. Uh, myself and Denise Salcedo were like looking at each other like, are, are we witnessing this happen? Even <laughs> Nick, who asked the question, looked over at us and he's like, can you believe I'm getting this gold? Can you believe that I'm about to run out of this room and upload this clip in less than 10 minutes? It was well, insane. Here's the funny thing about it. So like every minute I have in my day, especially with four young kids and between that and work and everything else, like it's pretty much accounted for. So I happened to have a few minutes to myself. I was scrolling through Twitter and uh, I, I came across that promo and I had no context. I didn't read the headline, whatever. I was just yeah. watching it. And and that popped me huge. Remember? So I was like, holy shit, this was hilarious. So uh, I, I thought that was very funny. And I, I dug his outrageous outlandish outfit as well. Yeah. I, I think it's, Interesting, because in the manner that he says it, say Punk pops up in WWE. Right. There's enough character in there to where there's plausible deniability to where you can be like, I was just working. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, you could go either way with that. Also, regardless, regardless of how legitimate it was, you can go either way with that. Then. Exactly. I love and hate Seth Rollins attire because now I get targeted ads on Instagram for suits that he has absolutely worn before. Like, <laughs> like they'll just scroll through because... I'll look up the suit or something and, and we'll, we'll, cause we've got a fashion show on, on right. Fightful as well. Uh, that guy, that guy, he, he is something. Uh, Ray Jones says, if you'd have had cre- complete creative control over how it was handled, how would Woken Matt Hardy worked as a character in WWE? Yeah. Um, it, I mean, if I would have had my say in it, especially when Bray and I got together, there was a point where Vince, seemed to be high on us at one point he said but we've got to do this right and and you know the, you guys are two very special characters you can be something very special together but he ended up putting us out there and we we're wrestling almost every single week uh and we were just getting wins once we won the tag titles in, in like three or four minute matches which really didn't do anything for us or our opponents it, it didn't do a lot for us either way i, I would have kept our wrestling appearances a lot more limited and made us like special gimmick characters i would have done a lot more vignettes i feel like if we would have done stuff Bray and I had a deal where, like, you know, Bray had nothing left, and he just came to the Hardy compound, and we had some pretty good entertaining vignettes in mind that we would have liked to have done at that time where he would just was going to be accepted as a part of our family and House Hardy and whatnot. Uh, I feel like we, we needed, like, off-site vignettes more than anything else. So I, I would have added a lot of that. I would have, I would have worked really hard to, to build the characters as opposed to just putting us in the ring every single week and making us, like, common wrestlers because we were supposed to be special attractions. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because Bray just had his first match since yeah. he came back for four months. Yeah. And uh, people thought that it lost its luster a little bit because there was not, not that much in between, but there weren't a ton of vignettes between him debuting and him having his match. It was a lot of the, the same promos. I feel like some vignettes would have been very useful as opposed to some of the things that they did. But I know you. I know that you, you've got like ideas going around in your head non-stop when the, the broken mat thing happened we had a conversation and you laid out a ton of plans that you had for that like you clearly have visions of these things and things that you can go back to whether they're used or not used are there any of those ideas that you would possibly use if something like that uh or to come back yeah um uh, a few weeks ago 
two, three weeks ago in BTE, there was a people saw broken Matt for a second. And the, the mentality behind that clip was that was like in my mind. Uh, you see me being buddy, buddy with Ethan page. I go in the mirror for a second. And this is, he, he'd really like threatened to like fire Isaiah. He was really being, uh, having a terrible attitude towards Isaiah. And you could tell that it hurt Matt Hardy when he went to the bathroom and he was on his own. So it was like a little bit of a, a look into my mind and my soul, kind of where I'm at. And you can see that I was very frustrated with having to go along with this with Ethan Page. That might let, let help you uh, read the story a little bit and like where I'm at in actuality. But like uh, I was almost so frustrated with having to uh, roll with Ethan Page's punches that, you know, you could see Broken Matt was starting to appear. Like uh, not only am I old and beat up and 31 years deep and broken physically, you know, I was also broken emotionally and mentally. So I think if you see Broken Matt Hardy again, which I think there's a great opportunity you do, it's going to be a very different version. It's going to be much more based in reality and just uh, a guy who's broken physically, mentally, and emotionally, a lot of it because of Ethan Page. Loved seeing that on uh, Being the Elite, which won our, our Fightful Award for That's Vlog fun. of the Year. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you technically have a have a claim to that award now. I mean, you're, you're a regularly featured person on on being the elite. I'm a contributor. There Give you me go. my credit. Put it on Wikipedia. Give me my credit. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, our next question comes from Mr. Tom. Says, "I'm really digging the work that you, Isaiah, and Ethan are doing with your story on Elevation. It's so cool to see these stories built there and moving to Dynamite Rampage. I know you guys were were very influential in the development of this story, right?" Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, to begin with, before before Jeff had his incident, um, we were going into that tag team match. We planned we planned on winning the AW tag team titles, and we figured we kind of had a whole summer plan for the Hardy Boys into the fall. We kind of knew what we were doing all the way to all out whatever. So it was very difficult once Jeff had to go away because I was just kind of left with nothing. There was a, a little story I did with Christian for a few weeks. It started. And then basically I was just kind of floating because like, you know, all the plans that I had had were kind of went up in smoke. So we sat back. MJF asked me about working with Ethan Page. And I, and I didn't know Julian that well at that time. I said, yeah, I, I really like his stuff. I would totally be cool with doing that. That's when they were together as a firm. I said, I, I would love to do that. So then we started talking and we kind of came up with these ideas. And, and we ended up making the pivot from being with Andrade. And the, uh, the the AFO that he'd been doing thing with Isaiah and Quinn, uh, because we had a story we were talking about doing there. And there had been a couple of obstacles in our way. And Andrade ended up being off TV and he was having surgery and whatnot. So we ended up just moving everything to Ethan. And then that kind of became the focal point of our story. And then it has gone on. You know, we obviously have this conflict. And then I realized, like, okay, now he's punishing private party, which – I love and care about so much. I've got to change things up a little bit. So then I end up kind of cozying up to him a little bit. So it's been a cool story that we've had a lot of input on and we've been very passionate about. And it's so crazy. We talk, my, my wife, who she's like a shoot TikTok influencer right now. She's over yeah. on TikTok. Uh, she actually, this was so funny. So we were talking about the show we're doing tonight. Uh, we, we have something that we're doing on Dynamite Vignette. Uh, but we had we, we want to pitch for a match on Elevation just to continue to add to our story. And I said, hey, man, I'm breaking out some of these old pants. And I sent him a picture of the pants that I was talking about wearing. And he's like, oh, cool. Let me see what I have matches. And he sent all these different trunks out. And then I was with my wife and we were out on this date night again. And uh, I like put this image up and I looked, she said, hey, she said, is that a bitch sending you a bunch of pair of panties? 
I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> and, I, and I held it to her, and it was all like all ego, all ego, all ego. And she made a whole TikTok about it, which she said hit off and actually started going viral. But it's so funny. Like, we've been doing that. Even, like, the little details, like, okay, well, let's match. You know, if, if we're getting along good, then we'll try and figure out and we'll match. So, uh, K-Fabe, you'll see this later. But we're wearing red and black tonight, guys. So, it, it's, it's been fun to, it's been, it's been fun to, like, be able to sink your teeth into something that you can get creative with and that you're listened to. And then like the story is very constant and almost what myself and Ethan are doing. It reminds me a lot of the work I did with Jeremy Borash with the broken stuff. Cause we kind of got to, you know, steer that ship and we've had a lot of great help from, from QT Marshall. He's kind of been the guy like overseeing us. We'll throw in our ideas to him and then he'll, he'll kind of help us make it happen. I was really excited to hear that you and, and Julie and Ethan Page had worked together because you all are very similar. Like it, you're both very ambitious creatively and you, you both have visions that, that you want to achieve with your, your stories and everything that you do, you yeah. give it a hundred percent, which I, I was just so excited. And it was almost like when, when I was told, well, yeah, they've never really worked together that much or interacted that much. It was mind boggling because I've, I've known obviously about you for over 20 years and him for about 10 and, it's just wild that those paths had never crossed there in some capacity, but you guys did just kind of miss each other, like in, in impact yeah. TNA. We, we did. And, and it, what a pleasure it has been uh, working with him and just getting to know him in general. So uh, I, I have nothing but great compliments to, to spew about Julian. We have a question from Jay, the K what are some musical artists that you never got the appeal for and why? <laughs> Um, I, I would probably say the two that stand out to me that I hear about all the time. People say, oh, my God, who do you like better, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Wow. That's when I was, like, in the heat of wrestling. And, like, I didn't even pay to I, – I, I can't even – I can't probably name a song by NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. It's popular. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm just so out of the loop when it comes to those guys because that is when I was, like – Busting my ass day in and day out to like make it in the industry. And then obviously we signed in of 97, first of 98. And, you know, when, when they were red hot, like we were on the road, we were, we were grinding nonstop. See, I would have figured that because you were on the road so much, you probably would have heard them on the radio nonstop. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I think that's when, uh, when CDs were coming around and I, I think it was like a CD constantly in the CD player. You mean to tell me you didn't have Backstreet Boys Millennium queued up, ready to I, go? I didn't. I couldn't tell you an album name. I can, you know, I, I recognize some of the songs. I, I couldn't list a, a, I couldn't list three of the songs. I'll tell you one that I don't get. I'll tell you yeah. one that I don't get. That's pretty fitting here. Hardy. I <laughs> oh, buddy. <laughs> I asked, I, you know, I was asking around doing my due diligence right. backstage. Yes. I'm like, you know, what, what, that's what better you than you, Sean. Uh, I, was, I, I literally would have rather you be out there singing. Uh, it would have at least been entertaining. It was bad. How low can you go? Death row! See? Whatever the no. I would have went out there just rap. Have it. you ever heard the uh, Stained cover of that? I have, yeah. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, they, I have. They, they had it on this awesome like rap rock CD, Take a Bite Out of Rhyme. And it was uh, like Fred Durst and Aaron Lewis from Stained. And it it rules. It's fantastic. I loved it. It's, it's very, very strong, yes. Fester Wait, Fink... Dude, I got so much, you know, I, I quote tweeted your thing about the Hardy deal. And, yeah. and it, it was so funny. The, the feedback I got even before that, it was just like over and over. It's like, oh, my God, this is terrible. The only Hardys we want to see is, you know, is Matt and Jeff Hardy and WWE, whatever. Uh, and, and I didn't see it for what it's worth. So I haven't, but I, I just saw all the, the feedback to it. And it was 
uh, pretty, pretty tough. So funny enough, uh, I get I get the run sheets for some of these shows, which yeah. wrestling companies are, are not exactly thrilled with. But <laughs> one of the people that gave it to me, and they said something something's weird about this. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, are, are one of the Hardys or one of their deals up? And I'm like, what are you talking about? No, they're both under contract. One of them's in an angle. And he goes, it says there's a Hardy performance. And I was like, buddy. That is not what you are hoping that it is. <laughs> it absolutely isn't. I was like, in that case, all due respect to AEW, I, I would have – give me Barry Hardy, the, the guy that plays next any, anybody but the guy I'm about to be listening to. Please right. give give Rebby the mic. Yeah, let her out there. Let yeah. her sing. Yeah, send, uh, send, send, send Rebby and Everhardy out there, Gothic Baby and Gothic Mom. Exactly. Uh, Austin Williams says, how was it like working with the Wolves, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards? How do they compare and contrast to other great tag teams that you've worked with? Very enjoyable. I, I remember watching some of their stuff from Ring of Honor earlier. So I was I was pretty pretty excited to work with those guys. And, and, and it really did. We had great chemistry with them. They were a lot of fun to work with. They both had great attitudes, both very talented, both very passionate about what they do. And that series that we, we had a series of matches between uh, myself, the Wolves, and Team 3D and TNA, which was very underrated. It was a, a really, really good series we had. Uh, so, funny story about Davey Richards. Wonderfully nice guy. Really liked him. Uh -huh. did an interview with him last year that I had to completely nix. Because he was getting a tattoo while we did the interview. <laughs> so, I'm asking these questions, and all in the background, you just hear, the whole time, and I'm like, is this really happening? We were able to salvage, like, articles out of it, but there was no <laughs> video or audio that I could run on there. Uh, oh, my God. Here's one. He was doing too much at one time, man. Come on. Separate I, your tattoo work and your interviews. I know. I mean, here, here's one kind of for me. Do you remember any, like, awkward or just outright bad interview experiences? Ah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Um I had I had Virgil a couple years ago, and I could tell somebody was in his ear feeding him the answers. It was the most awkward thing ever. Yeah, one of the uh, the the most awkward interview I can think of. There was one time, and this was God. Before we ever signed with WWE, we we're doing an indie show, and someone said, "Oh, we know you guys have done extra work at WWE. You know, uh, we would like to talk to you a little bit, whatever." And they went and they interviewed Jeff, and then I, I came outside the building and did that. And uh, as soon as I started talking, there was a jackhammer going off near me. <laughs> and so, oh, sorry, we're trying to do this interview. And they, like, take off their headphones. Oh, okay, got it, got it. And we started doing the interview again, and they didn't hear shit. And, <laughs> and the jackhammer was going again. And they said, oh, we, we should probably change locations. But I just remember that so vividly because I was competing with a jackhammer. And it's just like, what a terrible – how did you end up picking the spot anyway outside the venue? That that wasn't a jackhammer. That that was actually Davy Richards in the background getting tattooed. It may have been. That's what that was. I think it was Mr. Hammer, Jack Hammer tattoo. Uh, indeed. Uh, Austin also says, "How's Mark Quinn doing in his rehab, and is his return going to impact your current story?" Uh, he seems to be doing good. Uh, they they think they that he can just do physical therapy and rehabilitation and, uh, and, and be able to recover. So he didn't have to go under the knife, which is a very positive sign. So hopefully that continues to be the, the path that he takes and he doesn't have to have surgery. So uh, that would make it sooner that he would be back. And uh, yeah, we're ready to insert him into the story whenever he comes back. So we kind of had that in mind. So 
it, it works either way if he's here or if he's not. Well, Matt, let's step aside here for a quick second just to remind you about our partners at Jimmy's Famous Seafood. Every single week, we're encouraging you to go to jimmysfamousseafood.com where you can get free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125, excluding steamed crabs and fresh items. And all you got to do is use that promo code HARDY just to get that. We're talking Maryland crab cakes, soups, chowders, oysters, signature steaks, desserts, and gluten-free items galore. I got my 30th birthday coming up next week, and you bet you're behind that I went over to jimmysfamousseafood.com, used that promo code HARDY, and ordered me one of their fine packages. I specifically went for the Triple D package because Guy Fieri's endorsing it. You know that I am all about it. They also have the tailgate bundle with two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, and crab cake mix, which is perfect for when my New York Giants get to step up and beat the Philadelphia Eagles this coming week. I'm very excited about it. Once again, that's jimmysfamousseafood.com. Shipping food nationwide and inquire free two-day nationwide shipping on orders over $125, excluding steam crabs and fresh items by using the promo code HARDY. All right, by now, guys, you know I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is it's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at SaveWithConrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. We're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back or one day we want to upgrade to hardwood floors or remodel the kitchen or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. SaveWithConrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. ConradReviews.com. You'll see more than a thousand five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%, you know you can do better. With the mortgage though, you may not know this, the interest you pay is tax deductible. And we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you can get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster, get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments, buddy, this is the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. 
Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or hey man, shoot me an email directly. Conrad at savewithconrad.com. Birdbase says, if you could face MVP in another competition for old time's sakes, what would it be? Why? And who would win? Oh my God. Uh, myself and MVP, we would, uh, we would have a, a freestyle rap battle and we would, take the, we would have taken the place of Hardy. At, uh, at Rumble. We, would have, we would have done that in, in the, uh, in, in place of him. And then uh, I would have won. Listen, I, I'm just begging Tony Khan. Like if you could have made that forbidden door situation happen instead <laughs> of the, the four minutes that gave me PTSD, I, I would have, I would have really loved that. I would have really loved that. <laughs> Fester Fink says, "What's your favorite wrestler or wrestling finish, and why?" Mm, well, I mean, I'm gonna have to be prejudiced and biased. I gotta say, my favorite wrestling finish is the Twist of Fate because I know after I hit the Twist of Fate, uh, I, I'm finished for the night, and it's time to go back to the locker room. <laughs> Clean up. And, and the the older you get, the deeper you get into this industry, uh, you're ready to hit that finish and go home. Or the uh, Phantom Twist of Fate that you did before Full Gear. In 2021, you don't you don't even have. There's no risk involved with that. Yeah, that was great. I, I was just emulating the noise. I mean, I had to convince Bryce that uh, that I did the twist of fate on on Orange Cassidy. It worked. The, the feedback to that was so amazing. The, the internet, social media. Oh, worst Chris thing about it gives everyone a voice. Social media. Worst thing about it gives everyone a voice. People were like, "Oh, I wonder what it was like uh, back in the day before social media." They just brought signs. <laughs> just yeah, brought yeah. Signs. It, was, it, it was a great day. It was a great day. You know, the one thing I miss current day, I miss the flash bulbs. I miss those a lot. Oh, that, that was great. You you would get some amazing shots out of the flash bulbs, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish. Just seeing that video with all those flashes going off, and 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 it makes you it really cements how iconic of a moment you know, whatever it is. It, yeah, it, it, so it, it was a great gauge of like how interested people are in yeah. that very second yeah. as well. Chris J. The, the signs were too. The signs were a great gauge of how passionate people were about the product at the time and how, how beloved it was. Chris J. says, if there was a modern day triple threat TLC match, what teams would you put in it? Mm, okay, that's a good question. I would say if we were doing a modern day TLC match, I would put the Young Bucks, one of their greatest rivals ever, the Lucha Bros, and the Hardys in it, and uh, and we would have that triple threat ladder match. Hey, that, that's something that might realistically happen actually come going forward. I mean, yeah, I mean, say so. I mean, you're not opposed to that idea. I mean, obviously, you were booked for a ladder match earlier, yeah, yeah last not, year. So not not at all, man. How would you adjust physically to doing that now compared to 20 years ago? Uh, just, just be a lot smarter with the, you know, the way I utilize my bumps. And, you know, I, I would just take very smart, calculated risk. And that's kind of what you do when you get older. And, and there was there was a point, I mean, after I'd been wrestling for about 20 years and I, kind of my, my body physically started breaking down and whatnot. I mean, I just had to accept that I had to change my style and the way I work and, and really select my bumps very carefully, especially, you know, the, the magnitude of them. And that's also where I started. I, I felt like I, I really excelled when doing character work, you know, when I started doing big money, Matt and the iconic Matt Hardy right in the beginning and ring of honor, which ultimately led to uh, TNA and, and broken Matt. And, and just, I feel like I became a much better character performer once I was forced to, because physically I was so beat up. 
Jake has a good follow-up. What's your favorite ladder match spot of all time? Let, let's go with one you've been in and then one that you haven't been in. Okay, so, sounds great. Uh, of, of the ones I've been in, I would say my favorite ladder match spot of all time is myself and Bubba when we went through the four tables oh. when we were pushed out of the ring. Uh, because, I mean, that that couldn't have gone any more perfectly. And, and, and fortunate for us, it did go perfect because if one guy jumped earlier and hadn't committed to – you know, holding to our timing, it would have been really bad news for the other guy. Um, you you would, don't want a new Jack Vic Grimes situation where <laughs> one person is tangling up in the air, the other person is holding. Yes. It, it can be dangerous. And you all did time that perfect. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy dangerous because if one person goes earlier and everything starts breaking and splitting, then the other person, uh, you know, is going to get impelled. So it's, 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 it's a, it's a really sketchy situation. You got to be careful. Um, my favorite, my favorite, uh, my favorite ladder match uh, that was obviously very inspirational to me was just the the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon from WrestleMania ten. So I would just say, uh, you know, the, the the high spots in that match. I mean, that that match really stood out to me. That's obviously the match that was very inspirational to myself and my brother, and that's what inspired us to have ladder matches on the Indies all the time, which ultimately led to us doing the Hardys versus Edge and Christian at No Mercy nine nine. Stan says, "How was your experience on the episode of that '70s show?" It was good. Um, it, it was very exciting for us. I mean, it was super exhilarating. We're like, oh, my God, you know, not only are we wrestlers and we've achieved our dream and signed a contract, we're going to be on a TV show. This is so cool. Just being there, getting to spend some time with The Rock and Ken Shamrock and, and being in the same quarters as those guys, it was cool because we had to have a, a, a lot more interactions with, with them, and that was very important, especially early on in our careers. And then the cast was very cool. They were nice. They are like, yeah, these are our guest stars and – uh, I remember we went out and we had this wrestling match. It was pretty brutal. It, it was tough, though, because we had to do that match about 10 times, and they got every different angle, and they got close-ups, they got wide shots and whatnot. So uh, a lot of bumping going on for that day. Mike says, at what point in your tenure in WWE did you become comfortable standing up for yourself? How would you advise young wrestlers to recognize when to let something go and when it's worthwhile to push back? I would say 2002. Is, is when I got to that point, when I had enough confidence that I, I really knew, like, if something was being pitched or, you know, you were kind of being pushed a certain way that you didn't deserve or wasn't best for your interest and, and best for business in the big scheme of things, you know, that you have to stand up for yourself and speak up. And I, I would probably say the very first instant that I did this, and it's funny, we covered this myself and John a little bit on the podcast in the past, was when <clears throat> I was supposed to do a little deal with Rey Mysterio at the end of 2002, once Mattitude and Matt Hardy version one was starting to get over, where I was going to injure him and take him out. He was going to be having his knee scope for a while. And I was going to go into like a legitimate program with Edge, who was getting a push as a singles guy at that time as well. And we had this all planned out. We had it all mapped out. And, and Vince had signed off on it and done it. Johnny Ace at the time, uh, I'd had some issues whenever WCW came in at, at, at some points and a, a little bit of, uh, I think Johnny and I, we kind of butted, butted heads a little bit at that time. And he ended up pushing for a train to get the spot as opposed to me. He went to Vince, talked about it and, uh, and, and got it done. And I remember being so angry and I talked with Adam and he was going to say something to Vince. And then I went in and I talked to Vince and I said, dude, this, I was promised this, like, why is Johnny getting to push this guy? Like, I feel like I'd bust my ass and work really hard to get myself over as a singles. And I, you know, created this whole new gimmick. I'm doing something completely different. And you were very much behind it. Like, why is this guy getting rewarded on me? And I remember it said, well, sometimes opportunities 
uh, happen like this and they don't happen like this. And, and I promise I'll make this up to you and I'll give you something else in the future. And what he ended up and, and that made Johnny very hot. So I think I, I had a, a big rivalry with Johnny at that point. So he got to fire me about a year and a half later. So I guess he got to come up. It's on me, uh, even though I was back in a few weeks with a with a bigger payday and a raise. <laughs> but 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 the, the one thing I was going to say is Vince said, I'll, I'll try and give you I'll give you something later and replaces whatever. And he ended up doing the deal where he put the cruiserweight title on me. And like a lot of people looked at that like as a demotion. But I mean, I, I looked at it as like a challenge and something that I could make great and uh i love the stuff that i did with billy kidman and then obviously after that with Rey mysterio we went headline wrestlemania and then we did the big title switch when he was in anaheim because we we're close to san diego the 619 and i just remember <laughs> i remember his son i remember dominic being there such a little kid and i remember talking to him backstage afterwards and that's still how he's like frozen in my mind and now he's a legitimate WWE star and rocking it each and every week on WWE programming i did a great in character interview with him over the weekend where he was like pretending he was going to snatch Austin Theory's chain and all kinds of good stuff. Like it yeah. was, it was fantastic. Vince gave you the old, I'll owe you one pal. Like, like that CM Punk talked about in his now infamous interview with uh, Colt Cabana. <laughs> yeah. I, a, a, a fun exercise is to imagine a train in all of your career highlights now, instead of you. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah. Just edit, edit his head on my body. There you go. Like, uh, the the MVP skits just with A Train would have would have uh, been a phenomenal like outtake as well. I like A Train coming off the top of the cage at Unforgiven 2005 on edge. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, Ken says, could you please talk about your fitness and nutrition routines? Uh, yeah, man. I'm just you know I, I try and do what I try and do. It, it's obviously hard once you get uh, in a in a in advanced stage as I am. Uh, I, I try and eat as clean and as healthy as I can. Sometimes it is extremely difficult because I have a, a wife who's an amazing cook and, and love to do things for the kids as well. So she, she, you know, there's, there's always, there's so many holidays and birthdays going on and there's always like, you know, food that you probably shouldn't be indulging in. You end up indulging into a degree when, when I'm on the road or when I'm at home and kind of have downtime, I usually eat pretty good, pretty healthy. So I try to be very nutritious. I try to eat as clean as possible. And then my, my workout routine is, you know, cardio, first thing I have to do every morning. If I don't do 20 to 30 minutes of cardio every morning, I just don't don't feel as good during the day. It kind of sets the whole pace for my day. I do that. I usually do one body part. I'll try and do it pretty hard, pretty intense, pretty quickly, and I'll try and get a good bump. I don't worry about going heavy. I don't need to build any mass at this point. I just mm – -hmm. I'm Matt Hardy, and I'm going to be Matt Hardy. It is what it is. And then I've been doing a lot more yoga, and I, I feel like it's been helping me a lot out as well. Just I'm trying to – Get as much flexibility back as I possibly can. My body is just so riddled with scar tissue and just so beat up just from taking so many bumps off my bump card. I mean, my bump card ran out 20 years ago. Who am I kidding? But, you know, it's one of those things. I just try and stretch and do as much yoga as I can to, to try and improve my flexibility. And that will hopefully translate and improve my ring work as well. Yoga was very important for me. I broke my neck in 2009 when I trained MMA. And I would have never been able to wrestle after that had I not done extensive yoga like it was it was very very crucial you mentioned not needing to add any mass nowadays wrestlers are leaner than ever and i feel like we we see in mma a 280 290 pound person first off that ain't normal people yeah. aren't supposed to be built like brock lesnar right. the entire the entire heavyweight division tried to build themselves like brock lesnar when he right. came along but he is an anomaly most athletes are leaner athletes, Anderson Silva, John Jones, people like that. 
do you think that has sort of eliminated some of that stigma of you got to be as big as possible? It, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I remember when I was trying to break in the business, you know, and, and myself and Jeff, we were trying to get signed by one of the, the big companies, which at that time was, you know, WWF, WCW and ECW. Um, I remember thinking like, Oh my God, I got to eat. And I was the poor broke kid growing up in the podunk town of Cameron, North Carolina. And uh, I kept buying all, all the beans that I could buy. And I was just eating them nonstop. Beans, beans, beans. I got to put on weight because I remember saying, like, Macho Man is one of the smaller guys, and he was 245. Like, oh, my God, I got to gain weight. I got to gain weight. But, I mean, wrestling has really got to that point. Like, when we started doing Omega, we didn't think about, like, okay, the first match stays inside the ring. It's a very solid match. And then the card builds until you get to the main event. I, I would tell everyone, like, if you can go out and steal the show, steal the show. It's on you. I want every match to be a main event. Go out and kill it every single time. And it's crazy because that's kind of what wrestling has become in this day and age where, you know, every match can go out and kill it on the show. You know, it's not necessarily a build for the card. The, the TV show has got to be strong from beginning to end. And also it's got to the point where size and the way a wrestler looks isn't the most important deal. Because the most important deal now is that someone is athletic and not only are they an entertaining character, but they can also have a very entertaining matchup that is athletic and, and different and and much more fast paced than pro wrestling has been in the past. I felt so lied to when I was a kid because I looked at the one, two, three kid and I was like, oh, he's little. I'm little. I can be like him. He was 212 pounds. That's a UFC heavyweight. Right. And he's also he's six foot tall, six one. Yeah. Uh, later on, he did tell me he's like I was never above two hundred pounds. He's like I was one ninety five. He's like I don't know why they wanted me to appear bigger than I was when that was my whole gimmick to be smaller. But uh, we did see that there was there was like that sub two hundred pound stigma for a long yes. time. Very much so. Speaking of Sean, I just saw him at WrestleCon this weekend. What a sweetheart. And he's like, he's such a great place in life. Such a good guy. So so fun to catch up with him. I have so many great memories of him. One of, one of my fondest memories of Sean, uh, when Jeff and I first won the, the tag titles, we got to work with him and uh, Kane a mm -hmm. few times in some of our matches. <laughs> I'll never forget. We were uh, getting some heat on uh, on Xbox on, on Sean Waltman. And uh, Jeff did the swanton. It's before he used it as his set finish, right? So he did the swanton. He kind of came up and did that dance. And all I remember on the other side was Sean, Sean Waltman cussed Jeff out like I'd never heard anyone cuss before in the past. <laughs> you stupid mother! Get over here! Cover me! Cover me! You stupid piece! And that's one of my favorite moments ever with Sean Waltman. I mean, I, and people in the front row can hear him too. <laughs> you know, like we're we're doing Anaheim. It's the pond. You know, Jeff did the swanton. He's up being a hill. Boy, showing off. And Sean, Sean cussed him out harder than I've ever heard anyone cuss someone out before. I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, and he, he is. He is just such a sweet dude. He's yeah. a wonderful guy. He is. Uh, Linkovich says, what's your favorite part about working in AEW? I, I mean, I would say my favorite thing about AEW is that, uh, first and foremost, the schedule great. Typically, it's leave Tuesday evening, um, work on Wednesday. And then come on Thursday. Obviously, there's the, you know, four times a year we have a pay-per-view week where we're like going for a week. And then sometimes we have some live rampages, which, you know, takes three or four days. But the schedule is much more friendly to someone who has a family like I have, you know, because I, I know my kids, they, they grow so, so fast. It's crazy. It seems like yesterday, Maxwell was just born, you know, and he's seven and a half now, you know, so, so time flies. And I get a lot more time home with my kids and my wife and my family, which is really important to me in this day and age. I have a very healthy balance of like a professional life and personal life. And then on top of that, I feel like 
I, I know this for a fact. Tony Khan's the best boss I've ever worked for because Tony looks at his wrestlers as human beings. They're they're not just cogs in the machine where he's focused on like what they're going to do for him in wrestling. And, and he realizes they have a personal life at home, especially people who have families and, and kids. You know, if, if I'm away and he knows I'm not going to be, you know, on the pay-per-view on Sunday and I finish at the fan fest on Saturday, he lets me go home on Saturday and he doesn't want to like, just keep you around just in case he's usually pretty set. So he's very lenient and I'm very grateful for that. Like if I'm not needed, he'll let me go home and be with my kids and, and he wants me to be with my kids. So I really appreciate, and I'm very grateful for the, uh, for the care and, and love he has for people having personal lives. And uh, I think that's, rubbing off on other companies a cheap plug for fightfulselect.com people were asking why the good brothers were not at the rumble or at raw in their new deals they said if you're not going to use us we don't want to be there like just don't send us there all due respect we will do our jobs but we yes. don't want to be there for not being used and wb said okay and that's not something that used to be the case people would be right. at tv people that weren't on tv for months would still be brought to tv yes. just in case yep exactly i mean and that was almost like and, and if you would question that, you know, that was like taboo. You shouldn't do Don't question that. You know, be happy you're getting a paycheck. Come to work and do your thing. But, man, it's, it's a totally different deal. And I couldn't imagine. I mean, when I first started with WWE in 98, you know, being on the road full time, it was 10 days on and four days off. I mean, I, I, I couldn't do that with kids. I mean, being away from my kids like that, 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 would, that would break me. That would kill me. I wouldn't be able to do it. And Gail Kim responded to one of my tweets where I, I said, man, I don't know how you guys do it, like with – I went to two things at Lexington and San Antonio, one's four miles from my house. And she's like, okay, just imagine it printing out MapQuest directions without <laughs> GPS and any of that. Like how many bookings were just outright missed because people got lost? Well, I mean, I, I, even before MapQuest, I mean, we were driving around with an Atlas. Like I remember like, oh my God, I got to have an up-to-date Atlas. I got to have an up-to-date Atlas. And we, you know, they, they were huge. Yeah. You know, they were like a foot and a half tall and I'd be sitting there. I would just, I'd tell Jeff Drivers to just listen to what I say. Like he couldn't even read a map. He still probably can't read a map. Who am I kidding? Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things, you know, like I, I remember that was my gig. And, and looking back, I've become so lazy because of like GPS and whatnot. Now I was like, how did I even do that? I would yeah. read this atlas and be able to drive, and I actually made my mind work and memorize how to get from place to place or whatever. So it's uh, we 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 became spoiled over the years, I think, with all this technology. A few more before we wrap up. Andrew Stillwell says, "With Mount Fuji now becoming a tractor supply, where's the best Japanese food in Moore County?" Oh, there you have it, Moore County, Southern Pines. Uh, I, I would say now the best Japanese food, my man, is a uh, susha sushi. S u s a sushi susha. Sushi, or as my kids say, because they're big, uh, big fans of Among Us, they go sus a sushi. That's what Max and Wolfie call it sus a sushi. Uh, but listen, Andrew, slide into that tractor supply and get some green apple licorice. That stuff is dope. Oh my <laughs> god, it's so good. I don't eat sugar so much anymore, but now, now I'm probably gonna go buy a couple packs of that. Oh, there I, you have it. You just Dave's, triggered yourself. Oh, I did. Uh, <laughs> Dave said, given how many wrestlers have a social media presence that doesn't reflect their current wrestling angle, do they stick to that when meeting fans? I remember Jericho talking uh, about feeling pretty rotten having to still play the heel in the elevator with members of the public. Love watching, watching Ethan Page, Toy Hunt. So is it hard for him to then get over his current heel status in the ring? Uh, no, I mean, he he's really, <clears throat> he's really good at what he does, first and foremost. And, and I feel like most wrestlers now are, 
people are so there's so much information out there now, right? We're we're in the age of information. You know, you get on your computer, you can learn anything. You can find out anything, and you kind of know about people's personal lives. So <clears throat> I feel like the important balance nowadays is just whenever the the red light comes on and you go through that curtain into the ring, you're on. You never stop. But I feel like outside of that, it's okay to kind of be normal unless you're 100% totally committed to your gig and you've never done anything else on TV. You know, like two guys that I think are in great positions that I will use as examples are MJF, which I think he's very good at what he does and he's very consistent with the gimmick and also Orange Cassidy. I, I think Orange, you know, this was, you know, his first time at being on a huge uh, televised platform or global platform with AEW, and he does the gimmick and, and people kind of buy into it because they've never seen Jim, the person backstage, which is, is very beneficial to him. Uh, I'll go back to when I first started Broken Matt Hardy. When I first started doing Broken Matt Hardy, I act crazy and I was in the gimmick the whole while. There would be times where TNA said, hey, oh my God, like you're, you're getting hot right now. We would love to have you on the Wrestling Observer. You know, uh, Dave Meltzer wants to interview us and well, you can tell him it's going to be a gimmick. Because everything I'm doing is in gimmick. And, and I was totally committed to it. And that's what made it work so well, I think. But, you know, once I came back to WWE and then I was back to kind of being a regular Hardy boy, as they wanted to do in the beginning. They wanted to, like, do matchup Hardy, old school, throwback to that. And then once I kind of went back into doing Woken Matt Hardy, it wasn't as believable to the people because they have seen me out of the gimmick. But if you can if you can be in the gimmick and people buy it into it and you've never broke it, then you can kind of get away with doing it a lot more. But like once people understand and it's been promoted widely that you are a normal person and this is your normal personal identity, I think you just kind of stick to that when you're when you're off camera. In what I do, I can count on one hand the number of people I've wanted to interview in character. You're one of them, not even for Broken or Woken, but Big right. Money Matt. Right. I was like, because ultimately for me, it's how do I get the best content? What will my sure. audience like the most? I always point to the Joe Dirt chicken wing thing. It's not about you. It's about the consumer. I can like snakes and sparklers all I want, but somebody else is going to want a whistling kitty chaser. I got to appeal to them, and I can tell they wanted that. There's like Silas Young was a great one in character, The Last Real Man. Uh, Dominic was good. Switchblade was good. MJF is good. Yeah. Uh, so it, it for, for like me, it's all dependent on what content would be best. Have you ever seen the Orange Cassidy video of him out of character walking downtown with like a giant fish. Oh no, I, I haven't seen that. Blitzed out of his gourd. It's on our YouTube. <laughs> and he's like, I go to the club and I dance women's faces off. <laughs> and we've got all these comments that are like, he never woke up from this hangover. Like this is, <laughs> this is what led him to be what he is now. It's just so phenomenal. It's so great. Um, but fantastic. But if I'm in person and somebody wants to do something in character or be a little more heelish, I'm completely fine with that. Right. I know that if like, and we can establish beforehand, we cover pro wrestling. It doesn't have to always be serious. Right. The type <laughs> of stuff we're doing. I'm not covering the war. Like it's not like yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, if you can't have fun doing this, what are you doing? I mean, I mean, this is escapism, you know, I mean, this is a chance to get away and like enjoy and, and take your mind off the war and reality and life and all the yeah. seriousness that's going on and all the, you know, problems and pandemics and whatnot. I mean, we're escapism. So yes, it's, it's, it's definitely important to have fun. Well, I think you and Matt or you and John rather are going to have fun. Uh, you know what? If it were just you, you'd probably have more fun. Sorry, John, <laughs> but you and John are going to have fun next week. You're going to be covering the undertaker. Uh, what can the audience expect next week? Talking about taker. 
um, I mean, one of the most iconic WWE figures of all time and someone who I have a, a, a great respect for. Uh, really cool. Huge respect that Taker even gave me a big shout out on my 30 years of pro wrestling. That was so cool that he did that. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he really is. He is a guy that is a staple of WWE and he's like synonymous with WWE, a guy who was very loyal the whole time and, and gave them his everything. And, and someone that is truly inspirational when it comes to having longevity as a pro wrestling, uh, a pro wrestler. So very, very excited to, to do a deep delve into Undertaker. I want to thank John Alba for letting me step in. Great friend of mine. I want to thank you, Matt, for, for having me on. This was awesome. Yeah, this was we, a lot of fun. So much we, fun. We've never been able to speak on camera this long. We've done tons of interviews, yeah. but but like a full hour was re really, really great. Uh, if you guys like this, like, like me, I'm over <laughs> at Fightful. I post exclusive wrestling news over at FightfulSelect.com. I would greatly appreciate it if you guys checked it out. But subscribe here wherever you get your podcasts and at extremehardy.com. Leave that five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five-star review. Five, Cinco, five, Cinco, five-star review. Thank you so much. And if you do leave that review, screenshot it, send it to my Twitter, send it to John's Twitter, send it to Sean Ross Sapp's Twitter. Uh, I, I want you to leave that review. And uh, I'm going to give you an old retweet. Guys, thank you all so much. Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for stepping in for John while he's off uh, getting his Bruce Springsteen on. I know he's, he's partying in Florida. Yeah, he's, he's partying. Big. You ever been to a Springsteen? I'm trying to go to Doja Cat. That's what I want. Uh, yeah. No, I, I haven't. I haven't been to a Springsteen concert. I'm, uh, I, I'm a big uh, – I've been to Pearl Jam concerts. I've been to okay. Kings of Leon. I've been to a Public Enemy concert at one point. There you go. You oh, are yeah. a Public Enemy concert. Yeah, <laughs> I am a Public Enemy concert. You're correct. Guys, until next time. We're out. Thanks so much, Sean. This was a lot of fun.